Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hey, everyone, and welcome to The Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis. And I'm Sarah Powers, and you're about to hear a classic episode from way back in The Mom Hour's early archives. Throughout the month of July, we're republishing some of our favorite episodes from the early days of the show. Turns out we've changed quite a bit over the last eight years, but the challenges moms face, well, a lot of them are pretty timeless. So enjoy this encore presentation. Oh, and you'll notice that even our intro is vintage. And then check back on Friday this week for a brand new episode featuring two moms from our contributor team chatting about this same topic. Can't wait. On to the episode. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone. And I am so excited to welcome you to episode 100 of the Mom Hour. I know. I feel like um, our sound engineer needs to add some random like honky horns and sounds like applause. of, I don't know, applause and stuff. So if you hear that right now, it's not because we did it. It's because our, our awesome sound engineer, Johnny, added it in. But I'm, I'm just hoping that's happening right now. <laughs> um, we are so excited about this. Of course, I'm Megan Francis here as always with Sarah Powers. And I cannot believe we made it to 100 episodes. It's really cool. So it's just, so exciting. Yeah. If you're not a longtime listener, the show's been on for over two years. We take maybe a week or two off every year. Um, so that kind of averages out to like two years and a hundred weekly episodes. And Megan, yes. I just thought of something. We do our interview series, the mom, our yes. voices series. And we just so said, we actually 12. got like yeah. 112, but <laughs> we're just going to pretend like this is a hundred. And yeah. the other ones are just like, you know, on the side there. When we get to a hundred with that, then we'll do another celebration. Yeah, so. <laughs> it is. It's really cool. It feels really cool. And I just want to thank our listeners too. Yes. I'm so excited. Because... This has grown so much. And we, we every day hear from you guys and it is the best. Um, and so for that, we really wanted this episode to be special, but we didn't want it to be like something where we just talked about ourselves the whole time. So exactly. This one is really for you guys. Um, we're, we're talking about today how it's all going to be okay. And these are the things that moms need to hear again and again. And what we realize is that these are all kind of rules or I don't know, truisms that we've touched on over and over and over, but we've never really 
dived in specifically to these little truths about motherhood and life. Um, yeah, it's so, so true. Gonna, and it's, yeah. it's stuff that um, we need to hear ourselves, too. You know, yes. a lot of times, Megan, you and I, are we sound like we're giving advice, but it's true. We're really just talking ourselves as, through it. <laughs> as much as anybody else. So we each picked, you know, a few things that, like you said, have come up on the show as sort of like words of wisdom or advice. But honestly, they're things we need to be reminded about as moms over and over and over again, yes. no matter where you are in parenting. So I think it'll be fun. Um, if you are a brand new listener, this will be kind of a fun way to get to know us and, and what our show is about. And if you're a longtime listener, these these words of wisdom will feel very familiar to you and we'll go into each in a little more depth. Well, should we get on with the topic today? Let's get on with episode 100. All right. Your oh. first big words of wisdom, truism. Yes. Okay. So, and these are really in no particular order. Um, but this one is that kids are all different from each other. And that sounds so obvious, right? But I was just remembering the other day when I had Jacob, he was my first and he was this very cautious, um, easygoing kind of brainy and a little bit anxious little guy. And then I had Isaac and he was this whirlwind of activity. He was loud. He was boisterous. He was fearless. He scared the crap out of me on a regular <laughs> basis. He was the one who bolted and hid in the store like that kid. And yeah. I remember then getting pregnant with number three and thinking, well, I already have all the kinds of kids yeah. that there are. <laughs> So I've got these kids are complete opposites from each other. So that's it. I guess this baby number three is going to be just like one of them. And then I had William and he was steady and reliable and slept for like five hours at a time and and was just and also easygoing, but in a totally different way from Jacob and just completely different. And then I thought, well, so I had the kid who's kind of in between the two of them. I guess that's all the kinds of kids that there are. <laughs> and then I had Owen and he's like determined and disciplined and stubborn and, you know, just sweet as can be and like completely different from all the other ones. And of course, then I, by the time I finally got pregnant with Clara, I kind of realized there's no such thing as, you know, just two kinds of kids or three or four. Right. And of course, Clara is her own artistic and amazing and thoughtful and funny self. So I guess, I mean, this isn't really something that's going to make you feel better necessarily, but I think it does kind of give you some perspective on behavior. There are as many kinds of kids as there are kids in and the world. as many kinds of, yes, and as many different kinds of kids as there are humans. If we think yes. about, you know, what we've learned about ourselves and our personalities and our partners and how we get along with people, there's so much like gray area and nuance. It's not just your Myers-Briggs type or your, right. your astrological sign or whatever. Right. Exactly. There are so many different types of ways to be human and kids are no different. I actually think it does make moms feel better and I hope that it does because I think there's a direct link to really internalizing that kids are so different from each other um, with the fact that that means you parent them differently. And this yes. has been something that's a little hard for me, I guess. Um, and I'm not as far along as you are. But, you know, when something works with your first kid, you kind of like dust off your hands and you're like, well, yep, I nailed done. that one. I feel, right. And even if, even if it was hard, you know, let's say potty right. training was hard, but you figured it out. And so you pat yourself on the back and you're like, well, I know how to potty train now. And then the next kid comes along and you're like, oh, well, right. I thought I knew how to potty train. And this will repeat itself over and over and over and over again. So the more we can remind ourselves of that, I think the more permission it gives us to not get locked into one type of 
parenting philosophy. You know, I have a preschooler right now who you have met, Megan, and our yes, listeners are familiar with hearing. She is a one of a kind. Yeah. Very different from my other two kids. I would say my other two were, they're very different from each other, but they're more alike than the third one is like anybody. Mm-hmm. And, um, just in terms of strong, being strong-willed and spirited and physically active, um, I would. Those are like her top three characteristics, right? Um, and so, you know, we have to start over with every kid, and I think sometimes that can get a that can be frustrating. And maybe, maybe what you've offered is will relieve the frustration because, you know, reminding ourselves that they are different and that humans are different from each other. Yes, like I said, gives us permission to not. Um, have to stick so strongly to what worked the first time. Because I that think that, so can, that can be a power struggle with yourself almost. Yeah, it is. And, and and honestly, when I'm remembering, you know, when I had younger kids, that the messaging I kept hearing about discipline and behavior and raising decent human beings was so focused on consistency. And often I took that to mean I had to be the same parent every day, yes. day in, day out, from minute to minute. And that not only does it change from kid to kid, but kids, different kids, because they're so different, enter different phases differently. And you have to be able to be nimble and change things. I like to think of it as being kind of like inconsistently consistent. I'm Mm -hmm. still consistent with my rules and my messaging and what I think is really, really important. But the way I get through a day is going to be different. Yeah. Depending on what combination of kids I'm dealing with and what stage each of them is in at that time and where I am at, you know, where I am too, it all plays in. And I think just keeping in mind that they're all different. You're different. Your mm-hmm. spouse is different. Um, their teachers and any other adult figures in their lives are all different. We're all so different that we really have a lot of room to do it differently from person to person, from day to day, and sometimes from moment to moment, honestly. Yep, I agree. And I think just one last thing to add to this, I think it's a great way to increase your compassion for other moms because when we're at the beginning and we're looking out at other moms and other babies and you've read all the online articles that have been sent to you you. it feels like there's like three kinds of moms you know because the blog posts will tell you like what kind of mom are you what kind of baby do you have and it really seems rather limited um, and prescribed and the more you realize all of this richness, um, I think it does give you compassion for other moms. Other moms are parenting a kid that you have never encountered, exactly. you know, and and they are different than you as well. So I do think that this can sort of just make for a more compassionate understanding of what it means to be a mom. Yeah, I love it. Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. 
Sarah, our sponsor, Haya, is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin, was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so mine also kind of has to do, my next one has to do with, um, you know, kids and development and discipline a little bit. And that is keeping an eye on the relationship with your child over the result you're going for. Mm -hmm. And this, again, it's one of those that lasts forever. Um, But when we get into discipline and behavior issues, especially in the toddler years, um, and we've talked about this on the show before, it's so tempting to want to create results with the behavior. Like I want the whining to stop, or I want the sibling fighting to stop, or I want the one-year-old biting habit to stop. And of course we do. Um, and that is a piece of the puzzle. Um, but I have always found that when I can look at the relationship between myself and my child and that child and our family unit, um, and kind of, kind of look at where they are in their development and what they need from me, um, that almost always is a better guide, a better like lighthouse light for me than a strategy to curb a particular behavior. And I think there's research that shows this. And I think it just feels better as a mom to me. Um, So I don't know if I'm being really clear, but Maybe to use just an example of, you know, a kid who is being really willful and defiant, like my preschooler often is. Um, it's easy to squash that and say, sit down, be quiet, don't talk back to me. And, you know, I think that can work if you're consistent and your child knows what the consequences are. But to me, what feels better is understanding I have a strong-willed child, looking at what what her needs are right now that are making her feel like she's got to be defiant and out of control and maybe trying to address those basic human needs, those basic relationship needs. Is she feeling like she needs more attention from me? Is she feeling like she doesn't have enough control over her circumstances? Is it hard to be the youngest? Yes. The answer to that is yes, it is. (laughs) And it's particularly hard for her because of her, how she's wired. So I don't know if that makes sense, but I I wrote down relationship over result because that seemed like a quick and easy way to remember that this relationship is forever and the results of a behavior curbing goal are short-sighted. And I don't, and, and I, I I hope it's not seeming like I'm saying the behaviors are okay because you can always work on the behaviors, but in the context of that relationship. Well, and sometimes, you know, sit down, be quiet. We got to get through this day is the answer sort of right? right. But how you get to that can be totally different. So just keeping in mind, like you said, the whys, I find helps me be more compassionate, maybe phrase something differently, maybe helps me take like two extra minutes out of whatever busyness that I'm in the middle of to kind of figure out those whys and coach the child through it rather than just Mm -hmm. being like, why can't they just do what I say right now? I need them to do that. Um, 
You know, Sarah, I love this. And I will also say that is a mindset that the earlier you start developing it, really the better off you'll be. And I mean, like the happier you'll be as a parent, because when they're little and the, you, you know, when they're little, their problems, um, their whether misbehavior or temp, temper tantrums or whatever, yes, they are a big deal, and they can seem really, they can loom really large. But those are kind of like micro problems. Yeah. And then the older they get, the bigger their problems get. Um, and they're things that have a lasting impact on the rest of their lives. Like, mm-hmm. what are you know? How do they do in school? Do they get into drugs? Like there's a lot yeah. of different things that happen along the way. And I have found that just keeping that in mind as my kids have gotten bigger and gone into teenage years and then early adulthood had helped me make so many tough decisions. When I would sit down across from a kid and realize they're not going to do academically what I want them to do um, unless I either really, <laughs> really clamp down. Right. Right. Or like something has to happen or they have to become internally motivated. Well, becoming internally motivated takes a lot more effort, frankly, and a lot more um, and a lot more faith mm-hmm. on the side of the parent. And also it requires you to kind of get out of their way a little bit. Yeah. And so that kind of conversation becomes very different when you're thinking, what's the most important thing right now? Is it that my kid graduates with a certain GPA or that in two years we still have a decent relationship or whatever the, whatever the issue is, like whatever the behavioral issue is or the, the milestone they're facing down. And so that really helped me get very clear, just keeping that in mind. What, what is my priority here? And it's almost never the outward facing behavior. It's almost never the thing they do. It's much more often the reason they do it or like what they'll do in, five years or 10 or down the road. So I just want to say that sounds, that is a great thing to keep in mind when they're little, but it really helps you also shape that relationship as they get bigger. Yeah. And if you think about it, I mean, I don't have teenagers yet, but if you think about it, the fundamentals of, uh, you know, a healthy relationship, trust, security, mm. um, being able to reasonably expect what you're going to get from the other side, not, you know, not having it be volatile or unpredictable. Those are tenets of healthy relationships, whether you're talking about an infant or a teenager. And so practicing that is, it really does take practice, I think, as a new mom. Um, and especially if you didn't grow up in a household like that, or if it just feels foreign to you. So yeah, absolutely. It takes a lot of work, but it's, it's a good thing to keep in mind. Agreed. Agreed. So my next, I guess, truism actually kind of plays a little bit into what we were just talking about. And this is something that has come up again and again for me um, when I was writing a lot about parenting and when we've been talking about parenting on this podcast. And that is like really anytime you make a decision because you're worried about someone else would want or what someone else would think you're almost always going to make the wrong decision. And by that, I mean, if you're making a parenting decision because you're worried about what the um, grumpy cashier might think if you <laughs> buy that candy bar that you said you wouldn't buy, but then you kind of thought, well, why did I say that in the first place? I don't really care. Is it worth it? You know, these, these inner monologues that we have or because someone in your family thinks that you're making the wrong choice or because someone makes a snide comment. I mean, we let so many things get to us that don't matter. People's opinions who don't matter to us or who'd only matter to us in a like kind of tangential way on Mm -hmm. on the outskirts and we pay less attention to what our own voices are telling us Mm -hmm. and that to me 
is probably every time I've made a major mistake parenting or done something I felt bad about later, Mm -hmm. it was because I was doing it for the wrong reasons. And usually the wrong reason was because of something, what somebody else, either a real person or an imaginary person might think. Um, So that's a big one for me. And it never goes away. Just like what we were saying before with the toddlers, you know, being willful or the teenagers um, slacking off in school or whatever it is. People will have opinions until you're, you know, people have opinions until your kids are 40 years old. Yep. And so you're never going to get away from it. We really have to learn how to deal with that. No, that's so true. I would almost imagine it gets harder in some ways as kids get older. I'm thinking about like school age stuff, which is where yeah. I am right now and peer dynamics. And there's really sort of like tangled up situations where the kids, you know, the kids are making their own decisions because they're a little bit older, but parents are still involved. And so, yeah, yeah, there's just a lot of sticky situations where we can get um, pressured into parenting in a way that isn't maybe how we would have done it because people are watching. Other parents are watching, schools watching, you know, there's, there's a lot more awareness. I feel like, and as they get older, more people are paying attention. When they're little, you're doing things in the privacy of your home home for the most part, you know, except for those target tantrums. But well, and another thing about that is, you know, when they're little, it's so much of it is about what you're doing to them or with them. And then everyone still kind of understands that kids are unpredictable. Like they, they get that like toddlers will flip out and, You know, your response is what's kind of under the under the microscope. But when they get older, then they also have a mind of their own and freedom. So then, like you said, it all gets tangled up because you still have input. You're still making rules and consequences or whatever, whatever parenting style you have. But at the same time, your kid is becoming more fully themselves every day. So they're doing whatever. And so everyone, it's like, it feels more personal in a way because yes. then they're not just judging you, but they're judging your kid too. Yeah. And people have a lot less compassion for, for kids quirks as they get older. So it, it does get very, it, it's one of those things again, where I feel like the more you can cultivate that mindset early on, right. the more you're doing yourself a favor later, because right. it's never easy. And I feel like I start over every year where I have to remind myself like this year, this is what's important to me. Yeah. Um, not that. That's good. It's going to be important to someone else. And they're going to try to pressure me or like, I'm going to perceive pressure that maybe isn't even there. Yep. And so I have to remind myself, like, what is it that's important to me? And that is something I have to reassess all the time. It yep. does not go away. And it can change. I'm going to segue right into my next little thought because it is really, it's truly like a part two to this. Okay. Um. So my next one is that you get to choose you as the parent, you and your spouse as the family leaders, you get to choose what you want your family life to look like, what kind of parent you want to be, all of those things. And you also get to change your mind about it. I think that's an important clarification. So just like just to piggyback on, you know, not giving into pressure to do things a certain way, because it almost always, like you said, leads to not the right result. Um, Maybe to phrase that more proactively for mine is that you you are charting this course and while you might feel completely unprepared um, because we all are we're completely unprepared for what we're doing that's like the definition of parenting yeah. <laughs> you are unprepared right now Megan to have an almost 20 year old I am totally unprepared yep. <laughs> but um, you were equally unprepared 20 years ago like that yep, part doesn't absolutely. go away however I feel like um, that doesn't mean you don't get to sort of design the way you want your family life and your parenting values to look from the beginning, independent of what everyone else is doing around you. Um, And kind of the earlier you get into that practice of saying, what do I want my family like 
life to look like? How, what, how happy do I want to be as a parent? Um, the earlier you can start finding strategies to make those things happen. And then I added my part two to this was, and you also get to change your mind because, um, just like we were talking about with some of the discipline things and each kid being different. Um, I think we have to give ourselves permission to evolve. Um, it's real easy. It feels secure to say, I am an attachment parent. This is what I do. Um, and to lock yourself and I'm not calling out attachment parents. That was the first thing that came to mind, but it feels really secure to sort of align yourself with a philosophy or um, a group of like-minded parents, which is great. But I think um, the downside of that is getting um, locked into something and not allowing our, our own learning to continue and our own evolution as parents. Yeah, I think that's so true. And, and again, it's that thing where we keep getting this message that you have to be consistent. You have to be consistent. And I found that sometimes it felt really good just to be, just to arbitrarily change my mind about something just because I can. It's like, it just reminds me that A, I am in charge here. I am charting the course. And B, probably this one thing is not that big of a deal. Whatever it is, whatever decision I'm making right now, whether it's a big one like, you know, choosing between preschool A and preschool B or something else. Let's like, just comes up. Does, am I going to bother to cut the crusts off my kid's sandwich? Or do I think they should learn how to eat a sandwich with crusts? I mean, something like that, right? Those little tiny things, they get so big because we do that all day long. Mm -hmm. We do like, we make a million of those little decisions in a week about, and sometimes it's, it's the simple thing. Like if I do this, am I caving? Am I getting in? What is that going to teach my kid? Blah, blah, blah. And I think sometimes it's okay even if we've created a rule to just arbitrarily change it or yeah. to create an arbitrary rule. So yes. I've done that before. I've told my kids like, you know, this is my rule. And then they want to know why. And I'll say, I really, I can't really explain why yeah. it's because I just, uh, because I get to have rules and this is one that's important to me. And sometimes, you know, I go through the whole ring of explaining and sometimes I don't because yeah. in the end, you know, it's just, that's, we are charting the course. We are yeah. in charge and I'm not mean about it. Um, and I'm not like an authoritarian. It's just sometimes things got to keep moving along. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So you get to choose and you also get to change your mind. Yeah. And making a decision because of what someone else would want gets you the wrong result almost every time. There, I yeah, summarized. Ones, I, I you summarized, summarized like one I and mean, a half tips. <laughs> you did. <laughs> we are welcoming back Olive and June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a mani, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive and June. Yeah, Olive and June's mani system has everything you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out, (laughs) and their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love. Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms. Visit oliveandjune.com slash themomhour for 20% off your first mani system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first mini system. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, this is one that I actually wrote a blog post about several years ago, and I got a lot. I remember getting a lot of um, comments on this one. Mm-hmm. I love And this. the post, I think that was titled, You Won't Remember This and That's Okay. Yeah. And I can't remember. I think Clara was like a toddler when I wrote it, and I was feeling pretty sappy about and and nostalgic. And I started to think about, um, and this one might make me kind of teary. I started to think about all those things I thought I would never forget when my kids were little and the fact that I had forgotten so many of them, or I could remember them, but I couldn't figure out which kid it was. So like I could, I could see a baby doing something, but I would have to think really hard, which baby was that? Or sometimes it looked like this kind of like amalgam baby. Is that yes. the right word? Amalgam? Yeah. Of, it's like a, a hybrid baby, a hybrid baby of all of my babies. Cause I yeah. couldn't remember which one it was. And probably that's because they'll, they do a lot of the same stuff the same way. You know, the first steps look kind of the same yeah. from one baby to the next. And so that stuff that you think you're so convinced, like, I don't need to write this down. I don't need a photograph. And I'm not suggesting you do need to write it down or have a photograph either. It's just that some of it is lost to time. I mean, it's still someplace in your memory fibers, right? It's in your wiring someplace. It's a part of you, but you may not be able to call up those memories later. And allowing myself to let go of some of that honestly was really freeing because I had gotten to a point where I suddenly had five kids worth of baby memories. Yeah. And couldn't keep it all straight. And it felt like I was shorting them or shorting myself when someone would say, what was my first word? And I'd be like, mama, dada, I think, (laughs) or does it to make something up? Um, I don't know. That was kind of freeing for me and actually, uh, and quite, I don't know, quite emotional for me to realize that as well. Yeah. No, you had me a little, uh, teary there for (laughs) a minute, but I'm going to keep going. (gasps) Okay. Um, I think what I think about this is a lot of things. Um, but I think we, the, the passage of time, especially leaving behind babies, if you're done with babies, and we've talked on this show before about being done and making peace with that. But there's this like primal urge to hold on yeah. despite the passage of time. And I'm sure if Clara was like going toddler preschool years, you were really dealing with that at the time, yeah. which is about where I am. You know, my youngest is four. There's no baby left in a four year old, really. Right. I mean, they're really little, but they're not there's, they're not babies. Um, and I think what we want to hold on to is that mom that we were of babies mm. and toddlers and little kids. And it is not easy to let that go. But maybe what we have anyway is like you said, it's sort of, it's, it is part of us and it's also part of our kids. Here's the thing. Kids also don't remember when they were babies (laughs) and toddlers, but everything we did is a part of them. You know, the fact that they were loved and rocked to sleep and, you know, fed nutritious food and played with and tickled and all like that is a part of the big kid that they are, but it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's with, especially in our culture right now, there's all of these ways to remember stuff. Yes. You know, too much because then the pressure is really on. Yeah. And so I have, I know I have one period of time that's particularly fuzzy, like more than others. And I've laughed about it before. And it's when my second baby, was like I would say like six months to two. Like I yeah, really I don't have remember. I have a hard time with that too. <laughs> like Same I thing. think because the first baby you're just hyper aware, and then I have pretty good memory of like my second pregnancy and even birth and adjusting to two babies. It's funny because that's where a lot of our listeners are right <laughs> right, right now is like a baby and a toddler. Yeah, and like I look at the pictures and 
I remember them. I remember their faces because the because pic- there's so many pictures and stuff. But I don't remember what I what I was like right then. Yeah, we <laughs> don't. I, no, I have that weird. same feeling. Yeah, and sometimes I'll think like, really, I'll look back and go, man, how did I do it? I feel busy right now with yeah. kids older. You know, older kids yeah. that don't um, tax me the same way. And sometimes I flop into bed really tired at night and don't want to get up out of bed early the next day. And I'll right. think, geez, how, what was I on? <laughs> like, right. what was I doing? And I can't really remember. Like, I just remember that I did it. I put one foot in front of the other and I did it. And sometimes that was at the expense of documenting. And sometimes that was at the expense of really absorbing the moment and remembering it. And I was right. down on myself for a right. long time because of that. Um, and I think you're so right, Sarah. The reason it hit me particularly hard with Clara is because with the other babies, I had the distraction of knowing another baby was likely to come along. Right. Yes. And so you always have another chance, right, to get it right. right. And then I'm looking at Claire going, well, shoot, this was my fifth one. And I still can't really remember X, Y, and Z about her. And there are moments I forgot. And there were moments I didn't attend to. And I wasn't pre- present for as I was told I was supposed to be. Right. And that is life there. And because we have all these devices that we can take pictures on and journal in and all that's fantastic. But we've lost a little of that human reality that there are generations, thousands of years of generations of babies who are lost to time. I mean, yeah. it makes it sound really kind of depressing, but that is being human. And, and I, you know, I don't know. I could go on about this all day and I've been over here. Well, guess like, what? I just pulled up this post. I'm actually going to read two paragraphs, which we did oh God, not plan. Okay. I know. So um, because this is a really beautiful post and we'll link to it, but um, I'm going to read two paragraphs. So, okay. Even so, with all the noticing and savoring and appreciating I did, the time still marched on and still I can't go back. Not only that, but I can't exactly conjure up lazy naptime memories specific to each child. It's more of a general memory. There's a bed and a fuzzy head tucked under my arm and perhaps a little dribble of milk running down a soft cheek. It's all my babies at once and no baby in particular. Maybe savoring then isn't about slowing down the time because that's impossible. It's not about remembering more clearly down the road because no matter how hard you try to lock in the memory, it's never guaranteed. Maybe the noticing and appreciating is simply about making this moment better and the next and the next, whether or not the moments stay with us in the future or slip away quietly without taking leave. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That was like an unplanned. Yeah, that was totally unplanned. Off script. Oh, boy. Um, All right. Gotta pull myself together here. I haven't seen, I haven't read that in a long time. Yeah. So, um, archives. So, yes. <laughs> Pulling it up, literal archive, like memory archives, also yes. blog, blog post oh, archives. Goodness gracious. Um, I think this is actually, though, we kind of wandered with this one, but I think this is actually a really nice gift to give newer moms um, because. There is pressure to make every moment count and remember every moment and document every moment. We've talked a lot about that on this show. Um, but just experience every moment. And then yeah. if it if it goes, it goes. It happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, so mine is quite simple, and I think it's really fundamental to our show. But mine is that you are not the only one going through what you're going through. And I mean this literally. I know we said earlier there's no two humans who are alike. But I'm going to tell you what you are going through right now, whether it's mastitis, whether it is a violent child who has having major behavior issues, whether it is depression or anxiety, whether it is divorce, whether it is, um, you know, friendship struggles, whatever it is, you are not the only one. I promise. I promise because our listeners 
write us emails um, telling us what they're going through. They're, they write us telling us that they've gone through what we've talked about on the show. Yep. And it's really easy. You know, when you're when your kids are really little, you kind of the, the public stuff is easy to laugh about. Everything. Everybody goes through potty training. Everybody goes right. through tantrums. I think as kids get older, you get a little quieter. You also get quieter yep. about your own struggles internally mm-hmm. as a person um, and your kids struggles are a little less appropriate to talk about maybe yeah. or or gnarlier in whatever way um, so I'm not saying you have to talk about them or go public or write like a public open letter on your blog but just know that you are not the only one and every time I think that I am some quirky weird thing I find out like the universe is banging me over the head. I'm really not. You're really not yeah. the only one. You um, really aren't. And, and so, and that, not only are you not the only one, but you are in very good company. And probably yes. there are people you look at every single day who are going through the same thing as you, and neither of you know. I mean, that's yes. what's crazy about it. Like, if you looked down your block and counted up all the moms on your block, somebody on that block is going through something that you're going through. Yes. And it just, that's so helpful to keep in mind. It is. And, you know, I think the way everyone deals with that is different. Some people, I think, are better at reaching out and being vulnerable and confessing what they're going through. And if you are, that's great. If you're not, you know, maybe there's some writing on the Internet that will help you realize that this is a common issue. Or maybe there's someone you can talk to professionally. But yeah, um, or maybe there's like that one person that you can reach out to, even if they're not like a super close friend. I find sometimes those more fleeting connections that we make mm-hmm. via social media, sometimes those are a really good way to talk about really heavy stuff without having to let someone in too much. And I, mm-hmm. that maybe that sounds backward, but there's like sort of understanding that like we don't really know each other. We don't live in the same town, whatever it is, but we're in right. the same boat. Or yes. I've been there before and I yes. can help you out. Um, there's lots of ways to get that support without having to like spill your guts, which not all of us are really good at. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sarah, do we have time for one more? Because it's funny. You and I both had one that was very similar and yes. we both skipped that one because I think we both thought the other one was going to do it. Yeah. Go so for it. I, okay. Well, I mean, it's very similar to yours. So this is something we've both talked about. Um, and I think this will be another one part, you know, part one and part two. Yeah. And so my final truism, motherhood truism is this too shall pass. And, what will this thing matter in a day, a week, a year, 10 years? I like to ask myself that all the time. Like, will the fact that, you know, my kid isn't potty trained yet and they're older than they're supposed to be when they get potty trained, will that matter in a year or will they be potty trained by then? And this will just be a memory or will this tantrum matter in a year? Will this day will even be a memory anymore? Will I remember how much or how much I messed up (laughs) in a year or 10 years. And that I think really helps to just kind of remember what's important. Um, and what you're actually going for, which I think is kind of the part two of this, right? Sarah, for like, what is the end goal? Yeah. It's the relationship. And that to get to that, you have to keep the one year and the 10 years in mind more than today or tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. Taking that, taking that long view, I feel like is such a good guiding principle for me because the short view, the immediate moment is really crappy sometimes, really crappy. Like people are yelling at you and you just fed them a nice meal. Like it, like really crappy. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, with every single thing that we try to do with our kids and with our families, taking the long view and knowing that the it's not going to look perfect the way you get there. That doesn't mean you don't try or you don't, right. you know, stick to your guns if that's what you do. Um, but 
yeah, remembering that this is a a long process uh, yeah. for ourselves and for our kids. That our kids aren't they're not robots. Like they're not. It's not. You don't as, program them and no, then get results. No, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And so they will get better and then they will get worse. And you will get better and then you will get worse in some lovely way. Yeah. So yes, this too shall pass, which is probably like the the most offered piece of motherhood advice. But that doesn't mean it's not valid. You know, sometimes I think yeah. we we poo poo the cliches and then we're like, well, actually, yeah, that's really good advice. Yeah, it is. And, you know, that also leads me to something um, that's not on either one of our lists, but I know it's something that we've talked about so often, Sarah. And you say take the long view all the time. I, that's like your mantra, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and another thing that I think we and I have come have said a lot and you just kind of touched on it is the minute you think you've got something, it changes. Mm-hmm. Everything changes all the time. Mm-hmm. So that again, you have to keep that long view in mind because, you know, the way things are today isn't going to be the way they are in two weeks. And then the minute you think you got it figured out, you know, you're starting over again. Um, and that's one of those truisms that repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats from day to day and stage to stage and year to yeah. year and kid to kid. Um, and just keeping that in mind helps me keep that big, large focus. Yeah. When I'm getting too stuck in like the fact that I screwed this day up. Yeah. I can always get up tomorrow and try again. Yep. And the next day and the next day and over the whole is what counts, not the individual little parts. Agreed. Agreed. (sighs) Well Well said. Um, If you've never left us an iTunes review and you liked this episode and you've been meaning to do it for a long time, um, now's a great time. time. Link to how to do that. Those iTunes reviews help our show. They help other moms find our show. We hear from so many moms who found this show because it popped up as a recommended podcast. So if you love us, then that serves two purposes. It helps our show, but then it will also help other moms find us because the more and the more active our review section is, the higher we show up and so that helps other moms which is what this is all about yeah it is and of course we want our audience to grow that's why we're here in the first place but we also want this to get out to more people because we hear every day how reassuring and encouraged other moms are and that's why that's why we're doing what we're doing all right megan on to episode 101 next week oh my goodness i can't even believe it (laughs) thanks everybody thanks everybody Thanks for listening to this classic episode of the mom hour. And Hey, Sarah, while we're on a break from new episodes this month, where can people find other way back episodes to listen to? Well, I'm so glad you asked Megan. I made a playlist of about 25 episodes from our first couple of years that absolutely stand the test of time. It's linked up in the episode description, wherever you're listening right now. And if you want to kind of choose your own adventure with our archives, just visit themomhour.com slash archives. There's a complete list right on that page. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%. Hey, everyone, we have a favor to ask. If you are an Apple Podcasts user, can you check really quickly to make sure you're still following the Mom Hour? Apple did one of their big software updates recently, and it changed a bunch of things about how you get the podcasts you're subscribed to. If Apple Podcasts is your podcast app of choice, all you have to do is find your way to our show page 
and then click the little plus sign or follow in the top right corner. Thanks so much.